Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, it's back-to-back Marvel as we broke down Spider-Man last week, and we're going to be talking about the series in general, Hawkeye, uh, the entire series as Mm -hmm. it's finally wrapped up. The six-part miniseries, I have a lot of questions on where to go in the future, but it seems like they tied up everything very nice in a little bow. And we're going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about trailers. We're not going to talk about news. This is our last show for 2021. So we might as well end it on a bang. 2022 is right around the corner. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about. We've got The Witcher. We've got The Matrix, Ghostbusters, Peacemakers coming out. We've got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. But let's get to my picks of the week, and then we'll just dive right into Hawkeye. We'll call it The Quiver because there's going to be many arrows in this episode. The I have two, and usually at the end of the year, we don't get a lot of new titles because obviously, yeah. you know, it's the end of the year and not a lot of people are either going to their comic book shops or want to read books. They want to go out and party and do their things, especially if you're an adult. But now it's COVID, so the whole the rules have kind of changed. But I've got two picks, one from Marvel, one from DC. The first one is called Timeless, and it's written by Jed McKay with art from Kev Walker and more. How do you win a war against time? A special year-ending adventure that gives po- uh, gives importance as to what is to come in the Marvel Universe over the next 12 months. Kang the Conqueror is a warrior, a destroyer, a subjugator, but even he is a subject to the whims of the vicissitudes of time itself. So when the parallel timeline threatens to overwrite the future that Kang has fought so long and so hard to control, the master of the ages has no choice but to go to war with time itself, battling through days of tomorrow as he struggles to prevent the end of what is to come, featuring all of major players from Marvel's Pantheon. This had a lot of words that I don't understand. (laughs) And it was like, this was like the most you know, in-depth storyline for what seems to be just a one-shot. Is this a book that you're going to pick up? Do you pick up any Kang the Conqueror books this year? No, I haven't. Um, I mean, I want to, and I should have, because, you know, obviously he's coming, and I know of Kang the Conqueror, but, like, I've never dived deep into him. So this might be something I have, because I don't think I got a lot of books. Uh, a couple of things end it, and um, I don't have a lot of stuff, I think, on my queue so this is definitely probably something I will pick up. Yeah, I think I got like three books. These two and uh, Devil's Reign number two comes out uh, this week, which I'm super stoked about. But the next one is from DC, and it's called Swamp Thing Green Hell, which hmm. has been advertised in all of the DC books as of late. Yeah. Uh, the Earth is all but done. The last remnants of humanity cling to a mountaintop island lost in an endless floodwater. The parliaments of the green, the red, and the rot all agree. It's time to wipe the slate clean and start the cycle of life over again. And to do so, they've united their powers to summon an avatar, one of the most horrific monsters to ever stalk the surface of this forsaken planet. Against a creature like that, there can be no fighting back, unless you have a soldier who understands the enemy, someone who has used its tactics before, someone like Al Holland. Of course, it would help if Al Holland hadn't been dead for decades. 
Jeff Lemire, the author of smash hits Joker Killer Smile and The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, along with the graphic novel that inspired the television sensation Sweet Tooth, returns to Black Label as one of the greatest artists in modern DC history, Doug Monkey, in tow. Together, they'll unleash a gory, gruesome monster mash where the fate of humanity rests in the hands of someone who isn't human at all. It's one of those real big prestige Black Label books. Yeah, like, it's the, a, like uh, Batman Bat- Damned. Yeah, or just the one I got picked up the other day, back uh, Batman One Dark Knight, or it was your pick of the week last week. Yeah, and there's you know they did one with Harleen, and they did one with um, Suicide Squad, Get Joker, and Puzzle Box, and all that stuff. You're a Swamp Thing guy. I'm a Swamp Thing guy. You gonna get this? I am. I got the miniseries. I'm behind on. I got everything. Oh, the was it the ten parter? Um, I think I'm. I've only read like the first four or five. It's okay. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get this just because I am a Swamp Thing guy, but lately I haven't been huge on what they've been putting out. Yeah, I feel like Swamp Thing's a tough sell right now in terms of like getting it off the ground because this is like the fourth time I've I've talked about a Swamp Thing series. We had Future or Future State Swamp Thing. We had the Swamp Thing news title uh, title that. Spin, spun out of Future State, and now we have this one. The only saving grace for this one is Jeff Lemire is a genius, number one. And number two, it's Black Label, so you can get really gory, and you don't have to keep this yeah. at, like, a rated T for teens. Like, this could be a, a hard R if this were a movie. So I'm curious to see where this is. This is a – it's a three-parter, probably $8 a pop. So, you know, I'm going to p- play close to the chest to see where I stand with this one. But – I'm going to give it a shot. And plus, again, light week for me. So I'll give it a shot. Now, let's enter spoiler territory because uh, we we didn't do an after show for this series because we weren't really doing a show every week that this series was out. But Hawkeye has came and went, my friend. Um, Six quick episodes. It seemed like, you know, the, the last one was one hour, but they all seemed very, very quick. So... Let's just kind of like dive into the series in general. I want to go over some of the characters after we get our, you know, general thoughts on the series. But again, spoiler alert for those who may have missed Hawkeye and the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season. But we're going to enter spoiler territory. This is where we're at. Uh, we're we're going to see Clint as he is going to a terrible on-Broadway performance of the Battle of New York. And yeah. it... it, it you know, there's there's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of characters uh, debuting. There's a character returning. There's some foreshadowing to a character's past. There's some foreshadowing to some characters' futures. And then we got an end credit scene where I'm like, oh, this has to be really good. This has to be like the next step in the MCU. And it's <laughs> 10 minutes of Rogers the Musical again. And, like, as they're screaming, I can do this all day, I'm like, I can't. Like, I can't do this for like, 10 minutes. That I, play looks awful. I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Is someone going to be in the audience? Or are they going to pan and be like, you know, someone in the audience? And they were like, oh, my God. I thought God, it was going to be Yelena watching it. Okay. Or, like, Val. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, Yelena makes sense because, like, she kind of walks away because and, like, 
she kind of had her moment with Clint talking about, you know, Natasha's death. And this could have been, like, the last time she sees, like, the portrayal of the Black Widow. But Val would have made so much more sense just, like, because she's, like, popped up in these series. And she's the one who, you know, brought Yelena into, I, I guess, the fold. I You know, the Yelena stuff was very... I don't know if I'm missing something, but it was kind of murky. Okay. Because Val in Black Widow showed Yelena who killed Natasha, who yes. she thought killed Natasha, and that was Clint. And then we find out that Eleanor, Kate's mother, played by the lovely Vera Famiga. <laughs> Your favorite. Yeah, hired Clint to kill, or hired Yelena to kill Clint. And then we find out that Kingpin is in on all of this. So, like, there's so much going on that I feel like the Yelena stuff, it fit. Don't get me wrong, but it was just kind of like, oh, well, Val doesn't exist anymore. It felt like, you know what I mean? Or is Val just the broker between all these criminals? She might be, and it kind of does seem that way. And that's what I kind of thought. I was like, all right, like... You know, Kingpin brokered to um, Val and was like, get me an assassin. And, you know, obviously she's got her hands in everybody and everything. So she was like, all right, you know, she got what she needed. And that's what I kind of looked at it as. Yeah, it was it, it was a little weird. It is what it is. It was always nice to see Florence Pugh. But let's kind of just jump into the series in general. What did you think of this six-part miniseries that we got um, this past December. See, I liked it, and what I like what Marvel's doing is they've done four series so far. Um, no, three three series. Loki, WandaVision, and this. Oh, no, four, and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Every single one of them was different. Yeah. Like, it had a different feel, a different uh, tone, and that's what I like. It's not just, okay, we're just going to give you four series of the same thing. And they were all different. You know, obviously this and Falcon Winter Soldier probably fit closer because it was more grounded. Um, But, like, this had a more whimsical Christmas feel because it was Christmas time. A little more comedic, too. Not that it was a straight-up comedy, but it had a little more comedic tones to it, especially with, like, the LARPers. Um, Yelena was very funny with the whole mac and cheese. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't skipped a beat since... Black Widow. She was kind of just like that sassy, sarcastic kind of character. She's great. And but like like I said, like I really liked it because like I said, they're changing it every time. It's it they're they're not making these cookie cutter series where you're getting the same type of series just with different characters and a slightly different story. Like these are all different, all they're all good in their own right. Every single one because you can't compare one to the other. Um but I just I really like the tone of it, especially with the Christmas time, uh, and the biggest thing: when has anyone destroyed the tree in Rockefeller Center? Just now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like to me, that was awesome. Um, but like, I really like the way it fit with everything. Um, I really enjoyed the series. Was it my favorite of the Marvel series, Disney Plus? No, uh, I haven't. You know, it's. I don't know if it's my least favorite, but I don't hate any of them. But I thought it was a really good series. It was a really good, um, you know, story for Clint. 
you know, because he's kind of been, uh, you know, pushed aside for a lot of the hell. He was supposed to die how many times? Uh, every Avengers movie. Every Avengers movie was supposed to die. So, um, you know, it, it was good. I don't think, you know, he could have done a movie with his storyline, but I, th- I think this series was fitting for him. And it was fitting to introduce Kate Bishop. So um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it could have definitely been a movie. Like, this felt like a movie, like a, a nice little Christmas movie wrapped up in two hours. And that's essentially what we got. We got movie quality on a streaming service. But in terms of the series, you know, this was a great kind of swan song for, for Clint. Again, this is definitely. a character who, you know, has been the butt of every joke and has supposed, you know, was supposed to die and nobody really give, gave him any credit. And he didn't give himself any credit. You know, go back to Age of Ultron where he says, I'm just a guy with a bow and arrow. You know, I shoot things. That's it. And But he's like, he's been the focal point. Like, he made his debut in Thor got taken over by Loki and Avengers and just continued to kind of be that grounded force. And this kind of was his riding off into the sunset moment where he got a chance to see his family. You know, he lost his family. Then he went back in time and saw his family and then he lost his family and then he got his family and then he was threatened to lose his family again. So this is like the, the most human Avenger you're going to get. Oh, when it comes to it like definitely. we we kind of saw a little bit of it with with tony right where he was happy with pepper and morgan just living in the cabins down in atlanta or well in georgia at least but with clint like he's got the farm it was established that he's got the three kids he's got his wife you know who you know that end credit scene or not even the end credit scene the fact that she got her watch back and did you read into the watch at all a little bit. Uh, that it, it pretty much confirms that she's Mockingbird. Yeah. Which is very, very cool. Um, and also a little disheartening to know that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't matter at all. Yeah. Because, you know, we already had our Mockingbird. We had Bobby. And uh, we were always hoping that Clint would kind of cross over. And we thought that he would be the one of all the Avengers to make his way into that universe. And it turned out it was Lady Sif. But that's neither here nor there. I thought that that was very cool that Linda Cardinelli got, you know, a, a, you know, she's, she's important. She's just not Clint's wife. Yeah, she's not a you know stay-at-home I mean? mom. She's... Yeah, and it made, it made more sense like after watching it and then like looking back on like when he's calling her and she's reaching out to contacts that she has, and like they never really explained it, like who were her contacts, but it was it was ironic that she was like his man in the chair. And I thought that that was very cool. And we got the passing of the torch with with Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop coming in. We got a new anti-hero-esque, another member of the Thunderbirds, or not Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt, uh, I'm thinking Grease. Um, I'm all wrapped up in musicals because of that stupid Rogers theme musical. But we got a new anti-hero and possible new Thunderbolt in Echo. And we got the explanation of Echo. Now, where does this go with the series? Is it a prequel? Is it post-Hawkeye? I don't know, but wherever it goes, I think Echo was a great character. We even got like a classic character that nobody really wanted, but he showed up with Swordsman, and you're kind of like, he was your red herring the whole time. Yeah. And I think like that's what's really good about this production, right? 
we started our podcast over our love of Arrow. And last yes. last time when I was watching this episode with Chelsea, I, I looked at it and I was like, this is what Arrow should have been. You know, Arrow got away from the the bow and arrow archery aspect of it and went more political and, and whatever. This focused on the archery. Hell, they had a, monta- a rocky montage when they're making you know, trick arrows and just like how everything kind of was wrapped up in a little bow I thought was good. There was a lot of loose ends going into this, like what to do with Jack, what to do with Eleanor, what to do with Kate, how do the LARPers fit into this, who killed Armand, you know, who's Echo's boss, what's going to happen with Clown, a little disappointed they didn't call Kazi Clown, but <laughs> it, it it is what it is, and there were so there were so many moving pieces, and then how does Yelena fit in this? This is what we talked about, like going into it. How is this all going to work? And I think that they tied it up very nicely, just like they did with uh, Spider Man No Way Home. I yeah. also think it's very cool that No Way Home and Hawkeye are taking place at the exact same time, because Rogers the musical was featured in No Way Home, and then it was featured in obviously this multiple times but the fact that you you know they said like don't you need to watch this to understand this when they flew by in spider-man no way home when they flew by rogers the musical i was like oh i I understand that reference yeah and you know if we didn't see hawkeye it would have just been a a blur and on the screen like we wouldn't even New, you know, really pay attention to it, but you know, it's a distinct yellow banner and had the 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 Roger, the Captain America shield, and like I probably wouldn't have paid attention if I didn't see Hawkeye. Exactly. So let's kind of dive into the new characters, and there's a few. Let's start with Kate Bishop. Obviously, this is another perfect casting for Marvel, in my oh, opinion. She was she was great. Um, you know, I've seen a couple things that Haley Seinfeld's been in. Um, love her music. Big fan of Starving. It's a great song. But even besides, like, the Pitch Perfect trilogy, right? We kind of gushed about her in Bumblebee and how great she was in that and how she yeah. was, like, the driving force for it. And I think we were like, she needs to be Kate Bishop. At some point in one of the movies that we broke down with her in it, and I'm pretty sure it's it's obviously this, um, we said that that's who she should be. Edge of 17, underrated gem. You know, she's having a huge year because she's also an arcane. And she's going to continue yeah. to be an arcane because that's got three seasons confirmed. So, Kate Bishop, Haley Seinfeld, what did you think and of it? real quick, you also forget, she's Spider-Gwen in Spider-Man in the, uh, in the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I didn't forget. But, no, she's, she's, ev- she's everywhere now. But, is um, she Spider-Gwen? I don't because I feel like they rebranded um, rebranded that character to Ghost Spider. I mean, she. I don't. I don't know. She's I don't. Gwen Stacy, but I think they they turned that into Ghost Spider. Okay. Disappointed because Spider Gwen is very cool. Yeah. Ghost Spider could have been a Spider Man villain, but it is what it is. Um, I liked her. I thought she was great. She was witty. Um. We, uh, but not too like it wasn't too comical. But she was very witty, and her and uh, Jeremy Renner had great chemistry together. Yeah, they really did. Um, and she was she was perfect for this role, 
And, you know, she I really liked her backstory. Uh, the first five minutes of um, the first episode showed her living in New York when the Battle of New York happened. And, you know, she, how she got into archery was because her penthouse exploded. She looks outside in the rubble, and who does she see is Hawkeye killing the Shatari. Like, she also saw, like, what a moment. Like, she saw Hawkeye shoot Loki. Like, yeah. that iconic scene in, I was about to call it X-Men, the Avengers, <laughs> when Hawkeye shoots that arrow at Loki and he catches it. And, and it blows it up. Blows like, up. what an icon. Like, the, Kate Bishop, in general, is you and I and everybody listening who want to be superheroes. Yeah. Like, it's that, you know, that uh, Liberty Mutual commercial now where the guy's like, it's Spider-Man commercial. And he's like, let me get bit by a spider. Dude, and he gets I've bit, done bit it. By a, yeah, I mean, listen, I've never worked. I've perused Craigslist to find trials where, you know, they're offering superhuman strength. You know, I never get it, but Haley Steinfeld spoke to the audience, and I thought that that was great. Yeah, she also added the emotion to it because, like, not only is this a family issue with Clint, it's a family issue with Kate as well. Her uh, dad's dead. Definitely. Her mom is shady as shit, and you think that the boyfriend, the new boyfriend, is. Again, she, he was a perfect red herring. And you're like, oh, where, where are they going to go with uh, Tony Dalton's character? Like, where are they going to go? And you're like, is he going to be bad? Are they going to, you know, when we have that reunion that we were hoping for with Clinton and Jack, because in the comics, Swords, uh, Swordsman trained Hawkeye, we didn't get that. Okay, that's cool. Move on. But, like, there was a lot of emotion with Kate. Like, every episode she was in, which was all of them, she showed emotion and to your point about the chemistry i can't remember a movie that i've seen jeremy renner in where he didn't have chemistry with his actors with his fellow actors so that's just a testament to him as well like he's a an underrated actor um i know a lot of people don't like him because of his music career but um (laughs) i I forgot about that what do you do the buick commercials and he was singing in it he's got a couple songs he's got an album but you know humble brag i had the plot pleasure of meeting him uh many moons ago and he was very very friendly tiny it's a very short lad but uh he's fantastic again him and Haley were perfect castings for their role um any gripes about Haley? or kate bishop i'm sorry not really um i really liked how you know she i really liked that she was humble like she obviously came from money but she didn't really care. Like she lived in like a dive apartment. Obviously her mom paid for it, but um, she did have a job. Like she went to school. She got kicked out of school because she of... worked with her mom. Yeah. And, but like, I really liked that. The, she was like, obviously she had a lot of resources and probably a lot of training to get where she was at. Um, I mean, but you got to have somewhat talent to get there. Uh, but I didn't really have a gripe with her. I, I, I liked her a lot. I thought she was, for being who she was and the power stature that her family has, she was very humble. Yeah, and she was like the driving force for Hawkeye to kind of continue doing his thing. Hell, he wore a costume in this one, yeah, which was awesome. Like that was a, that was a great moment when he, you know, he rips off the suit and he actually has the suit on. I was like, this is, this is nice. Like that's what, it's kind of what we wanted and. 
again, passing of the torch. Like, I could see Clint showing up periodically throughout the MCU. But, like, this is now, if this goes into season two, this is Haley Steinfeld's Hawkeye. And I think that that's how it should be. Uh, Whether she stays in New York City or she goes over to San Francisco and starts the West Coast Avengers, you know, there's a, a possibility with that. She's already proven that she's, you know, powerful. It would be nice for her and Cassie Lang to hook up um as like a team not as a couple although um it would be nice to see them hook up and kind of start the west coast avengers or young avengers or whatever you want to call them over in san francisco um let's talk our villain quote unquote villain um echo and her tracksuit mafia i love them together because they're all of them are awesome i thought um i thought echo was a phenomenal character that yeah. a lot of people don't understand and I don't don't think really appreciate it in this. Um, she's become a huge character in the MC, the Marvel comics right now. She's yeah. holding the Phoenix. She, she's wielding the Phoenix Force, which is amazing. But Echo in general um, and this casting of, uh, you know, gives you the first disabled actress and or actor to join the MCU and also – you know, showing that there's no limitations. And I thought that, you know, I was a little worried that we were going to get too much Echo in this because they they were, like, promoting the new series that's going to come out soon. But what we got, I think, was the perfect sample size into a series that I'm super excited for. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, I thought it was – I thought she was great. Like, uh, gave a little backstory of, you know, her as a child and where – how she got into that world um, was really cool. I really liked the tracksuit mafia. Uh, they were great. I was kind of upset because I didn't get a tracksuit for Christmas, but you know, um, cause I want, I, we were watching, I was like, I want a tracksuit. And she, my wife was like, no, you're not getting one. Um, but no, I, I really like, I like her ties um, to the four before mentioned Kingpin. Yep. Um, but she was awesome, and you know, she is a deaf actress, and she's an amputee, and yep. she like obviously you could tell she was doing a lot of her stunts, and it was not holding her back. Like I forgot that like I knew she was an amputee going in, and I remember seeing it, but like the scene where she was fighting in the um, the uh, junkyard, yeah, and they showed her leg. I was like, oh, I forgot. Because she like she, that she didn't let that hold her hold her back, and like I was like, oh, I totally forgot. Uh, yeah, and they really haven't even scratched the surface on her character. Yeah, she's essentially the task like a taskmaster esque villain, mm-hmm. where she can mimic and learn fighting styles, which is very cool. And that leg, albeit prosthetic, packs a punch. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out. Uh, you know, later down the line that is made out of vibranium or something just in the MCU for some reason, like that there's ties to Ulysses Claw or, you know, Kingpin, obviously Kingpin. But were you surprised that Kingpin debuted so quickly in the MCU? No, no. I mean, I was hoping, Um, you know, we first saw in the flashbacks and well, real quick. Yeah. And his voice. And I was like, was that him? Could have been him. Like, was it Vincent D'Onofrio? We don't know. Um, real quick, though, the little girl 
that played uh, young um, Echo. Was her niece. Was Yeah. And I was like, well, that's why she looked exactly like her. Um, But, so, when he showed up in, you know, in, what was it, episode five, like, they actually showed his picture. I I read someone was like, that's not really Vincent D'Onofrio. It was too too choppy. It was just someone else. I was like, they wouldn't do that. No. And then he shows up um, in episode six, and we'll get to that in a second, but... I honestly was hoping that we would have got him in the Echo series. And because, honestly, at this point, we we only know her as Maya. She was never referred to as Echo. We only know that that's who she turns into. So at this point, we're seeing the birth of, you know, hopefully a hero, maybe an anti-hero, Punisher-esque hero. Uh, We'll see where we go with that. But I don't. I don't think that they rushed Kingpin. You needed somebody to be the benefactor of all those. Mm-hmm. But they gave him a lot of screen time in this finale only to, you know, quote unquote, kill him. Yeah. Uh, so first, I'd like to talk about Kingpin in general. Um, I think Vincent D'Onofrio was amazing in this series. Yes. Uh, for the, the little time he was actually you know, fe- featured. Um, we got the white suit, purple pants. So I knew you were Dude, super stoked about that. I freaked out as soon as I. It was the beginning of the episode, and you just see him walking, and I was like, "Purple pants, purple." And my wife was like, "What? They're black?" I was like, "No, they're fucking purple." Like, no, they were clearly purple. And then we get the Spider-Man family business outfit, the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, and which was which is also you know listen, they pay attention to what the fans want also what works with the character like he wasn't going to roll in there in a velour tracksuit no well i was reading that was his idea yeah yeah vincent d'onofrio you don't have dude just follow him on twitter you don't have to read anything my man takes credit for everything everything he'll just tell you like up front he's like this was one of the projects I'm, i'm featured in this is one of the things that um kevin feige called me about like he is uh he does not hold his tongue which is great i love it i love the transparency he was saying how he he was like yeah the uh cover for uh spider-man family business which clearly has that outfit yep he's wearing that outfit he said that was but my that's been my screensaver for years on my computer and you know it's his uh vision board and you know it just shows that he loves the character and he's invested in the character. And obviously he is perfect for the character. Like, you know, he is Kingpin. So and let me ask you a question. Yes. Dead or not? Oh, he's not dead. You don't think so? No way. No. I mean, they made it seem like she shot him in the head. Oh. They, made, they didn't show anything. They just showed they moved up. And showed a flash of the gun. Yep. I, believe me, I watched it. Uh, my thought is that there was a lot of foreshadowing in this in terms of one line. It's about the shots you don't take. Clint didn't take the shot on Natasha in Budapest. Yep. Kate didn't take the shot on Yelena on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. I don't think Maya took the shot at Wilson 
No, I think she was frustrated, got upset, and just shot the gun in the air or whatever. Um, I also think that Wilson might have taken the, like, struggle for the gun and they just shot it in the air and that was it. Do you think that we see his return in the Echo series? Or, like, the Echo series in general, do you think it's going to be a prequel or do you think it's going to be a post Hawkeye series? I don't know. Um, Prequel would be nice, but I really like to see them flesh out her character more so i would really like to see a sequel to the hawkeye series likewise i think that you need to kind of move forward in the you know we don't need to see an origin story of everybody right no we didn't we saw loosely an origin story of kate bishop on the fly right she was training as she goes but we did a hawkeye after show episode one that never got posted and the big thing about that was for me they got rid of all the the exposition and like the flashback scenes in the first episode's um credits where you saw Kate Bishop's trophies and yep. trainings and like I thought that that was cool and they could do the exact same thing in Echo and kind of move forward. Um so I'm I'm hoping that it's it's post Hawkeye and you can continue this this timeline cuz I don't think we have a lot of time to go back in time and then forward no. in time and and so on like the only people i'd like to see get their origin stories would be moon like definitive heroes moon knight she hulk you know iron heart i'd like to see that but i'd also like to see iron heart kind of get her her kate bishop moment too where it's just like she's kind of thrust into armor wars and that's where you get the origin and then we go into you know her own series and she's already established you know what i mean so let me let's talk about uh, Mr. Jack Duquane, Duquesne and uh, Eleanor Bishop. Save them for last. What did you think? Did you uh, did you see that Eleanor was the you know queen pin of this whole operation? Oh, totally. Uh, in the never aired episode, we talked about like there's something shady about her. Um, yeah, you know they're not just gonna get. Vera Famiga, even though you hate her, they're just not going to get her and throw her as a throwaway character. Um, you know, just uh, Kate Bishop's mom that's going to sit in the corner. Not going to happen. Um, I definitely thought she had some ties to some uh, criminal organization. I didn't think it was Kingpin. Um, I was worried it was going to be the Hand. Yeah. And we talked about that. I was very that. worried about we the talk- Hand. We talked about that. Um, yeah. But... And then with Jack, I did not see him. Like at the end, we realized, like, oh, he's actually not that bad of a guy. Like he was, like Jack was like Forky in Toy Story Four. Like he was just there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like he had his little quips and had his moments, but like in the scheme of things, he wasn't valuable until the end of the end of the series. Yeah. You know he he was a patsy. He was he was a deflection of everything. He was the one that the audience was supposed to watch. He was the Ralph Boner of Hawkeye. Yeah, pretty much. So glad they didn't call him Jack Boner. Like, I would have been so mad if like the, just there was a Boner family running around the MCU. Yeah. I've been so pissed. But I I'm with you, man. I I think both one, I think both of them were amazing. Secondly, 
you don't get Farrah Famiga, who is a great actress. She she plays roles that you want to hate her in. You don't get her to just sit down and, re- and be quiet. So the fact that she was connected, you know, at first I thought maybe like her and Kazi had something going on. Um, also, Fra Fi, uh, amazing as Kazi. I thought he was uh, was great. But just in general, I thought that he she was going to be connected to somebody again not kingpin uh, i thought that was that was a big shocking reveal bro- internet breaking i guess um but i did also think that jack was going to be a little more evil than um they gave they gave him credit for so i kind of bit on that red herring i got kind of caught up in that but i was happy to be confused a little bit and not once not once chug did i think mephisto was going to show up in this series <laughs> and this would have been the series he showed up in. yeah like he would have manifested from like the owl in the Rockefeller tree. Yeah. You know, that would have been the moment. Um, so the big question is, we don't know if this is going to get a season two. Um, currently on IMDb, it says, if you look at their casting, like Vera Famiga, it says Vera Famiga, Eleanor Bishop, six episodes, 2021 dash. So we could get another series, you know, a little foreshadowing here. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? I don't know if we should get a series. I don't know if, like, I mean, obviously bring Kate Bishop into the MCU, but I I don't well, know. Like, She's there, isn't she? I mean, you know what I mean, but, like, more, like, put her into movies and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Like, I was thinking about it. You know, we could see, you know, Echo could be kind of, like, Vera Famiga can fit in Echo with you know, Kingpin and stuff like that. So um, I think we could see them more because I don't think Vera Famiga's done in the MCU. No, and I, I hope to God we don't get an Eleanor series. <laughs> I won't watch it. Just called Eleanor. Yeah, it'd be the series I, I wouldn't watch. I, um, I disagree. I think that we should get a sequel, but I don't think that Jeremy Renner should be involved in it. If that's the case, then I agree. I think the next step is Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Like, that's the main thing. Like, Why not Lady Hawk? A, no, definitely not Lady Hawk. Um, I think this is just passing the torch. Like, there's going to be some exposition that happened on Christmas while Kate was with the the, uh, the Bartons where he was like, listen, I'm done. I'm retiring again. I'm hanging this up. Here you go. You are now Hawkeye. Like, it's not a – it's not – tied to me it's just a title so you are hawkeye it's the same thing with captain america the same thing with thor it's the same thing with you know obviously hulk but you have to throw the she hulk in front of it yeah but it's it's very much the same it's clint barton hawkeye it clint, well hawkeye is clint barton but or no clint barton is hawkeye but hawkeye can also be kate bishop yeah and I think that that's very important. I think that's what we're going to get. Now, whether we get Kate and Jack as a team up, you know, Swordsman and Hawkeye, which would be super weird. Whether we get just kind of Kate getting away from New York because that's all she's really known. And her and Lucky the Pizza Dog just kind of are like a traveling superhero who just like have a police scanner and try to figure out things and maybe – that's where we run into the Punisher, and that's where he's introduced. That's where you know Ghost Rider could be. In. Well, I think I've read a rumor that Ghost Rider was already casted and is going to show up in Doctor Strange, um, multiverse of madness. But 
I think that this would be a good kind of like on the road thing where she makes her way from New York to San Francisco to kind of set up shop and then post Quantumania. I think that's where we like if Hawkeye season two doesn't come out before Quantumania, I think that's where we should see Kate Bishop again is in Quantumania as a new friend to Cassie Lang who okay. becomes Stinger. That would be my my thought. I don't think we just thrust her into the movies in, in like three years or four years. You know, there's a lot of cosmic stuff going on that you can't really just say, well, you're in the movies now, kid. Um, she hasn't really been introduced to anybody. Yeah. Besides, besides Clinton at this point. So she's got to kind of get in on get in on the action. So that's where I would go. Um, you're just kind of piecemeal everybody, right? Vera Famiga, who's in jail, mind you, shows up in echo maybe as a an informant against kingpin kingpin shows up in echo kate shows up in the movies maya obviously has her own series yeah okay we'll see um what happens with yelena i I don't know i mean she was great in this i definitely don't think she's done no Um, i don't know i don't know where we where you put her next i think we see her in the thunderbolts okay that's where i would put her um, I don't think we're going to get a Black Widow movie, no. although a Yelena series would be dope. Uh, I, I'm here for it. I think Florence Pugh obviously has a track record for being able to carry films that she's in, and I think she can do it again with a, a solo series. And we'll see. Um, so the last final question before we, we wrap this this little Christmas gift up, post-Christmas gift up, is the Geek Grader. One to ten, what do you give this? Uh, seven, nine. That's identical to what IMDb has it. Really? I didn't I it's didn't a, I don't look at that, but it's a seven nine out of ten, seventy three thousand one hundred and ninety two reviews. I'm going eight six. I'm gonna go high on this one, um, mainly because I love archery and I think that that just kinda gives you extra points. It might even be closer to the nines for me. So I might go eight nine, eight point nine. I really, really like this. I thought it was uh It was great. I thought it was great, and I love that, uh, you know, this was directed by Burton Birdie. You know, I thought that that was, uh, that was great, kind of like Prince. Prince and Sheriff, they did their own, you know, duo. But that's where we're at, man. We're going to get out of here. We're going to wrap 2021 up in a nice little bow. And uh, next week, we're coming back with a, a fun little episode that I would like to call Our Top 10 2022 Movies to Look Ooh. Forward to. Okay. So start working on that list. There's a lot. I can't wait to see where the Batman ranks. I think that might be number one for you, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to obviously have some sleeper gems on there. But uh, fall, again, we'll be back next year. <laughs> we get to say <laughs> it. We'll be back next year uh, with some great new episodes. We're going to get back to doing it every week. Um, for those, again, from our Spider-Man episode, those who stuck through the hiatus, thank you. Uh, we'll try our best not to go on another one. Follow us on social media, the, the Active Geek Podcast. Listen to Galaxy Wars Archives. We'll be back sooner. Um, Cage My Q is coming back in January as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. For the Active Geek Podcast, I'm Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.